Thank you, ladies. That uh, accompaniment wasn't too shabby either, was it? It's pretty good. Thank you, Becky. Turn your Bibles, if you would, to the book of Lamentation, Jeremiah, Lamentation. Of course, Lamentation is written of Jeremiah, preacher. Prophet knew much about sorrow, suffering, lamenting. And uh, he says something to us here that we've heard before, but something we want to focus on today is what a merciful God that we have as our Lord and Savior. Kind of a strange title, so hear it and then hear me out before you think anything. We'll, we'll, we'll conclude, I think, at a spot that you'll agree with. I want to preach this morning on when the mercy of God runs out. When the mercy of God runs out. So I didn't know that happened. Well, yeah, a lot of things run out uh, that we take for granted. And so I want to talk about those today with you for just a little bit. Lamentation chapter 3. And we'll look at verse 22 and 23, and then we'll have a word of prayer. We'll move into the message. Lamentation 3, 22. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed, because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. We want to focus on that word mercies or mercy today. Thank God for his tender mercy. Let's pray. Lord, thank you uh, for those assembled here today worshiping together uh, your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for the songs that Brother Tom picked, special, all went together to uplift our Lord Jesus. Please be with the deaf this morning. The service is there. Be with Brother John as he ministers to them. Please be with our junior church program and the workers and pray God you'd be with that ministry and then today Lord all assembled here in the auditorium speak to us dear Holy Spirit of God do the work in our hearts that only you can do and help me preach these thoughts that you've given me for this morning I pray in Jesus name amen tender mercies thank God for tender mercies I, every time I hear those words, I think of Brother Doug Ramage, Evangelist Doug Ramage wrote a song years ago called Tender Mercies. The scripture says in Psalm 31, 16, make thy face to shine upon thy servant, save me for thy tender mercy's sake. Psalm 40 and verse 11, withhold not thou thy tender mercies from me, O Lord, let thy loving kindness and thy truth continually preserve me. Of course, these are written by David. David, the psalmist, knew much about Hard times, difficult places, and he was asking God for his tender mercies. Brother Doug, uh, Doug that wrote that song, he, here's what he said in the first line of the song, first verse. There's been times when my soul from the dark night has rolled down a corridor of helpless despair. And it seems there would come no help from no one, and Jesus would whisper, I care. Isn't that good? And then, of course, his chorus was, it's all because of tender mercy. There's a mercy from God of love. I'm so glad for tender mercy, soft and gentle as a dove. Tender mercy for my soul, 
When I need a place to go, I'm so glad there's tender mercy from a God who loves me so. How true. I say amen, Brother Doug. It reminds me we need to have him come through here again pretty soon. But mercy is an interesting word. And there's other words we'll be using today that are companion to the word mercy. Obviously, we know that mercy mainly means not getting what we deserve. We understand that. But mercy literally means kindness, kindness from God. Loving kindness, goodness, it means favor, it means goodliness, it means taking pity upon someone. And I'm glad that God took pity on me one day. He looked behind all my faults and failures, and he gave me mercy. He gave me grace. Grace is, grace is getting what we don't deserve, but mercy is not getting what we do deserve. We deserve reproach. We, re, we deserve reproach and rebuke and retribution, rejection, retaliation from a sovereign God, but he is so holy, so set apart, so righteous that he gives us the exact opposite than what we deserve. God is so good. In spite of our sin, in spite of our sinful condition, our fleshly tendencies, our Lord has offered and extended to us mercy. All I can say to that is praise God. Praise God for God's mercy. The psalmist many times talked about the mercy of God. So did Jeremiah. So did Paul. I'll just give you a sampling. Psalm 89 and verse 1. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. With my mouth will I make known thy faithfulness to all generations. Psalm 103 verse 4. Who deemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies. Lamentations 3.22, what we read. It is of the Lord's mercy that we are not consumed, because his compassions they fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 3, Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. What a God. We are so unworthy. And he is so worthy. Set apart. Amen. And he looks down upon us in great mercy. Now, my title this morning, I said it's a little different. When the mercy of God runs out, and I know many people think, well, that never happens. Well, just stay with me here a little bit. But I'll tell you something that doesn't run out, the love of God. Uh, of course, Brother Cal, I was going to have Brother Cal sing this song. I thought Brother Cal was singing this morning. I would have had Lori and him back up Lori, you know, with a song. But he sings this song great, the love of God. It's so great. The writer says, the love of God is greater far than tongue or pen can ever tell. It goes beyond the highest star and reaches to the lowest hell. The guilty pair bowed down with care. God gave his son to win. His erring child he reconciled and pardoned from his sin. Now the chorus says, O love of God, how rich, how pure, how measureless and strong. It shall forevermore endure. The saints and angels song. But the best verse, I think, the best verse, in my opinion, verse 3. Now listen. Could we with ink the ocean fill? And were the skies of parchment made, were every stalk on earth a quill, and every man a scribe by trade. Watch it. To write the love of God above would drain the ocean dry, nor could the scroll contain the whole, though stretched from sky to sky. Wow, the love of God. Toward us. 
Even though we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. Amen, Paul said. So we have no question about the love of God. It is everlasting. It is eternal. But there are other great attributes of God, other gifts of God that I think we take for granted in this earthly journey that we need to consider anew today, afresh today. Uh, we are mere weak-minded mortals. We, we often think wrong. Even though we've been saved many years, we know the scriptures, we still assume so many things that are not exactly right. We take liberty too often in thinking that we're better Christians than what we are. That we're more deserving than we really are. That these offerings and overtures of God that come to us daily are always going to be there when we want them. Not so. Amen. These gifts, these pronounced mercies and blessings toward God, they're not necessarily always available. You know, we have a responsibility. And that's a bad word sometimes for a lot of Christian folks. We hear much talk about many kindnesses of God, and the graciousness of God, and the generosity of God, and the imparted favors of God but little or hardly any about them running out. We don't think about us squandering these rich gifts that have been bestowed to us. I want us to consider this morning when God's wonderful blessings that he has bestowed upon us, when they run out, because they can and will oftentimes run out if we don't hold our end of the bargain. Now, salvation is a different matter. Salvation is all of grace, through faith. It's not our works, not by works of righteousness that we have done, so it's not our good works to gain it nor to keep it. Thank God for eternal salvation. But there are things connected to our salvation that God has offered to us, but we have responsibilities. And God expects us to keep our charge. First of all, I want to talk to you this morning about this pure thought of the long-suffering of God. Let's remember that God is long-suffering. The Bible tells us in 2 Peter chapter 3 this morning in verse 9, The Lord is not slack concerning His promises. Some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward. Not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God is so long-suffering to, to sinners, to us, even to us that have been saved. Patient, and kind, long-suffering. You'll hear these words often in this message. They, they, they connect together so easily. Long-suffering, putting up with. Well, God's been putting up with me for... About 44 years now, since I come to know him as my Savior. Before that, I didn't know him, but he was putting up with me back then. And putting up with you too. God's been so long-suffering to you and I, and we just take it for granted. We take it for granted. The Lord's been long-suffering because uh, of many people in the Bible that had personal experience with Christ... And after they met him, they started to realize how good God had been to them. Uh, case in point, there's a woman of Samaria in John chapter 4. You can turn there if you would. We won't be there long. I just preached on her not long ago. But for illustration, 
uh, I want you to take a look at John chapter 4, and I want you to see this woman experience the long-suffering of God. The Lord was long-suffering to her in John chapter 4, and we see some, just, just hit the top. We can't deal with all of it. But first of all, she, she was a woman of bad reputation. She was a Samaritan outcast. In John chapter 4 and verse 9, the Bible says, Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? Question mark. But the Jews have no dealing with the Samaritans. See, she knew what she was. In that day, in that culture, they thought of Samaritans as a half-breed situation. A lot of prejudice toward these people. The Jews had no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus taught, and in the scripture teach, that they would go, most would go out of their way and not go through Samaria because of the animosity and hatred the Jews had for the Samaritans. You talk about prejudice. Our scripture tells us, Jesus says to his disciples, I must needs go through Samaria. Jesus had a different opinion of this woman. He said, I'm not going to avoid her. I want to meet her. I want to talk with her. I want to change her life. I thank God for the day God came to me. You know, I was unworthy, undone, unrighteous. Thinking myself to be all of those. But the Lord came knocking on my heart's door. Drew me unto himself. Gave me long suffering. She was not only a woman of bad reputation, she had little or no friends. Because the Bible says in verse 6, listen, now Jacob's well was there, therefore Jesus, therefore being wearied from the journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. That's noon. You see, she didn't have many friends, if any, because she's going to draw water at noon, midday. Nobody does that. The women didn't do their, their daily tasks at noon. They got there early in the morning. It was cool. But she was avoiding conversation. She was avoiding the stare of others. She was avoiding the whispers of others because she knew what she was. She was a Samaritan, but she was a sinner woman as well in the community. And we don't have time, but she was a woman that had failure in many relationships. Verses 16 through 18, she said she had five husbands. Jesus said, go get your husband, we'll talk then. She said, I have no husband. He said, you, you said rightly. She said, you've had five husbands, and the man you're living with now is not your husband. Oh, that's pretty bold. Jesus knew exactly what she was, and he knew what she needed. He had been long-suffering to her, and now he wants to give her mercy. Mercy. It's often been said, thank God for the seventh man that showed up in her life, because it was Jesus. Seven being the number of perfection, of completeness. She knew who he was because she had talked about holy men, and she believed him to be her Messiah. Amen. Verses 28 and 29, and we won't go there, but that woman, after that conversation, she was never the same after that day. But you know, she's not the only one that received the long-suffering of God. And I'll just mention these briefly. Uh, she, the Lord was long-suffering to this man called Zac, uh, Zacchaeus in Luke chapter 19. He was, that, uh, he was that, um, that tax collector, that publican that it was short of stature, the Bible teaches. And there was a, 
a great crowd of people assembling as Jesus came through and he could not see the Lord, the Bible says, for the press, for the crowd. And he ran ahead and climbed up, all the kids know this, up what? The sycamore tree. For the Lord he wanted to see. The interesting thing is he went up that sycamore tree with his fine robes on and his distinction. <laughs> as the Lord passed right under that sycamore tree, the Lord looked up and said, Zacchaeus, come down from there. I'm going to your house today. He scooted back down there, took him to his house, and we know the rest of the story. He got born again. He got saved. Now, Zacchaeus was a man that understood long-suffering. I like to say he was a man up a tree. He couldn't help himself. He was a man unliked and unwanted. See, he was, a, he was an agent of the government, tax collector, a sellout, a crook, a traitor to the Jews. He was a man very rich. And how did he get rich? He siphoned off the funds from the people's pockets. And the people didn't appreciate it. So he wasn't much liked. Sort of like this woman of Samaria. Different way, but she wasn't much sought out either or liked. Jesus loved him and had long suffering him in spite of all that he'd done. And the Lord brought him unto himself. And again, I'm so glad today that Jesus saw me as unsaved and undone and unworthy and unfit and unrighteous. And he came and he called my name, drew me unto himself. I didn't get saved because of me. I got saved because of the tender mercies of God. I got saved because of the long-suffering of God. I got saved because God made himself known to me. No man seeketh after God, the scripture says. We have a God that sought us out. And I'll just, I've got to get through this long-suffering toward the Philippian jailer, Acts chapter 16, you know. He's another agent of the state. You ever notice how many of these are in the Bible? You know, he wasn't much appreciated because he was also a sellout in the mind of the people. Many of them were put in jail for many causes, and he was the guy that kept the keys. Nobody liked him. I preached a message years ago when the jailhouse rocked. We need to pull that one out. That's a good one. But you know, Jesus rocked his world that day, for sure. Doing some miraculous things for him in spite of himself. And I'd like to preach, but move on. Remember Nicodemus, the chief ruler among the Jews? John chapter 3. God was long-suffering to him too. Another government worker. I hope there's nobody out here that's a government worker. In that day, he was a ruler too. And being a ruler, he had taken much advantage of people. But he was considered a good man. Now listen now. Good, but not good enough. Jesus looked at him and said, you must be born again. Now, I don't know, maybe someone's sitting here today and you think you're pretty good. You pay your taxes, you go to work, you raise a family, or raising a family. You don't break any laws, at least you don't try. I mean, you're a pretty good person, but Bible, Jesus said, there's none that do us good, no, not one. We're all sinners, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So you might be good, but friend, you're not good enough. And you can't do enough good works to bring you to faith in Christ. It is operation and work of God. He's given you mercy and long-suffering and kindness all along the way. And I want to look at this morning a little bit more 
in depth about the long suffering of God. Here's another thought I want you to think about. How he gives space to repent. Space. Time. In the Bible, uh, we could go way back to Genesis 4. God gave Cain space to repent, but he didn't do it. You know, Cain slew Abel. What did he do? He hid from God. He was a vagabond. The Bible said he was a marked man the rest of his days. But you know, there was a little space of grace there that God offered him, but Cain refused it. Over and over we see in the Bible where God deals with the most despicable of people, but he gives them a space of grace. You'd think they would take advantage of it. They would see, boy, God's surely been long-suffering to me. God's been merciful. God's been good to me. And you think that would bring people to Christ, but not so even to this very day. You think of Jezebel. Well, can you think of a more significant, I guess, name of a woman in the Scripture that is known for being wicked, being away from God than Jezebel? Nobody... Does anybody name their kids Jezebel? Even to this, I don't think so. I don't know. Maybe there's some fruitcake that does. I have no idea. But Jezebel got a chance to repent, but she did not respond. First Kings chapter 21. She did not repent of her wickedness, although God had been long-suffering and merciful and kind and gracious and loving toward her and her husband. I'm not talking about Bill and Hillary either. I'm talking about her husband Ahab and Jezebel. God throughout the scriptures gives all kinds of sinners space, time, availability, opportunity to repent. Even to this very day. But so many people say, no thank you. They pass it up. Even God's people. I was thinking the other day of all the people I've come to know through faith in Christ, all the people that came in and out of my life and your life, our church, through churches that I have pastored. So many of God's people, saved by the grace of God, but walk away from God, won't serve Him, won't honor Him, won't pay Him mind. Many of you have loved ones like that. They know, you know they made a profession of faith, but they sure don't live like it. And it makes you wonder. And I'll tell you this, the love of God doesn't change. He still loves them. And even though I get so frustrated sometimes with some people, don't you? I'm, listen, I'm glad I'm not God. Are you, aren't you glad I'm not God? And let me tell you something, I'm glad you're not God. <laughs> We're sometimes so hard on people. We are judgmental, and sometimes they have bad reputations, and in many ways they deserve what comes their way. But we have a God that's willing to forgive them at any moment. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And you think everybody would say, hey, I want that. But they don't, and they won't. In spite of that, God is still long-suffering toward them and merciful toward them, and gracious toward them, amen, and patient toward them. Wow, what a great God we have. So God is long-suffering. Next, God is kind. Kind. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 7, 
that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. Joel, the prophet of the Old Testament, said this, chapter 2, verse 13. He said, and rend your hearts, he's speaking to God's people, and not your garments, and turn unto the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and of great kindness. Kindness is a wonderful attribute. You, you meet somebody that's kind, you never forget them. We live in an unkind world today. But God is all kindness. The word kind means, listen, I told you they connect. Mercy. <laughs> Loving kindness, it means goodness, pity upon. Almost like the same definition for long-suffering. God is kind. It means good Gentleness, it means, I like this, moral integrity. Kindness of heart throughout. Praise the Lord. I'm so glad that he is kind. And he's certainly been kind to me. He's certainly been kind to you. And then our God is said to be gracious. Kin words. Psalm 116, verse 5, Gracious is the Lord, and righteous, yea, our God is merciful. Moses wrote, And the Lord passed by him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth. That's Exodus 34, 6, when he just got a glimpse of the hinder part of God. And he got so excited about just that little glimpse that he starts praising him. And one of the things he praises, the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious. Gracious, long-suffering. Moses knew a little bit about that when he was at the backside of the desert. He thought his life was over for service for God. But God was just working. What did somebody say? Forty years, a nobody. No, forty years of somebody. Another forty years, finding he was a nobody. Another forty years, God made him a somebody. God knows how to work in our lives even though we're so unworthy. I don't know what you're in the middle of. Maybe you're in a depressed time. Maybe you're in an off time. Maybe you're in a hard time. Maybe you're in a, a low spot. I'm going to tell you something. God is gracious. He's not done with you. Amen. He's so gracious. Psalmist said, 86, verse 15, But thou, O Lord, art a God full of compassion and gracious, long-suffering, plenteous in mercy and truth. So many of these scriptures. Psalm 103, the Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. Now this word gracious, it means almost the same as the other words, long-suffering and mercy, long-suffering and kindness. It means, gracious means here mercy, to show favor, to deal favorably with. To show favor or pity. And we'd have to agree again. God's certainly been gracious to us, to me. Here's another one, moving along quickly. God is patient, akin to long-suffering. In, in, in Psalm 15, 5, Paul writes, Now the God of patience and consolation grant you to be like-minded one toward another, according to Christ Jesus. This word patience means enduring, patient continuance, patient waiting, steadfastness. Looking beyond our way and sin and offering pardon. Woo! I'm glad God's patient. I am so impatient. Anybody like that? Is anybody here so impatient? I'm, on, I'm impatient with myself. 
I'm impatient with others. I'm impatient with my schedule. I'm impatient with the time we live in. I'm impatient with this crazy world out there today. I'm so impatient, so intolerant sometimes. I, I'm not at all like God. I need to be more like God. And the only way I can do that is let him work in me. Amen. Because this old man, Steve Brown, still in me. And the Lord's got to beat him back every once in a while. But God's certainly been patient with me. It means steadfast, enduring, sustaining, perseverance. Thank God for the perseverance of God. But yet, although we have all these wonderful things God offers to mankind, to us, uh, people remain unsaved. I don't know, maybe there's somebody here, you're, just, you're still unsaved. You haven't come to Christ. You come to church, but you haven't come to Christ. One day you intend to get saved, but it hasn't been yet. And you know what? God is making overtures and offers to you constantly. But you give God no heed. So many today give God no heed, give God no mind, no honor, no obedience, no respect, no reverence. It's awful. Now, listen, we've talked about this. There's wonderful things that God offers continually, ongoing. Long-suffering, mercy, kindness, gracious, patience. But mercy is gone when mercy is used up, when mercy is not extended anymore. And here's what I'm talking about. Turn to Proverbs chapter 1. You need to see this, and then we're going to wrap it up. You've been, you've been patient. You've been kind. You've been long-suffering, church. You've been a good crowd. But I want us to see something here. So important. The crux of the message, when the mercy of God runs out. You doubted that? Now let's look. And here's number five. God's judgment will eventually come to pass. Now that's not an easy point for a preacher to preach. Sometimes people think preachers like, they like preaching hard. They like preaching on hell. They like preaching on the judgment of God. Not so. We must do what God tells us to do. There's a truth here. God is long-suffering. Hallelujah. He's merciful. Praise God. He's kind. We all like that. He's gracious. He's patient. But he's a God that must judge. He must eventually judge. In Proverbs chapter 1, it's a little lengthy, not two, just stay with me, and I want you to see what God is saying here in the book of Proverbs. Chapter 1, and begin reading with me in verse 20. Wisdom crieth without, she uttereth her voice in the streets, she crieth in the chief place of concourse. In the opening of the gate in the city, she uttereth her voice, saying, listen now, here's what she says, How long, ye simple ones, will you love simplicity? And the scorners delight in their scorning, and fools hate knowledge. Turn you at my reproof. This is God speaking. Behold, I will pour out my spirit upon you. I will make known my words unto you. Wow. Because I have called, ye have, not, ye have refused. I have stretched out my, my hand, but ye have not regarded. But ye have set at naught all my counsel, and would none of my reproof. I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your fear comes. What happened to mercy? ran out. There's a time where God says, that's it. 
God is the one that sets the lines of demarcation. God is the one who says, uh, we're done here. And there are people, maybe even people in this room, maybe a young person, maybe an adult, maybe someone up in years. You can't keep putting off God. There's judgment day. He says, I will laugh at your calamity. You say, wait a minute, I thought God, God wouldn't do such a thing. I will mock when your fear cometh, verse 27, when your fear cometh as destruction and your destruction cometh as a whirlwind, when distress and anguish cometh upon you, then shall you call upon me. Oh, we are all good about that. I'll, I'll get right one of these days, God. Even save people. I'll make this matter, I'll make this matter okay. I will, I will correct this. Then they shall call upon me and I will not answer. They shall seek me early, but they shall not find me. Verse 29, for that thou hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. They would none of my counsel. They despised all my reproof. Therefore, shall they eat the fruit of their own way and be filled with their own devices. For the, for the turning away of the simple ones shall slay them and the prosperity of fools shall destroy them. Watch this. But whoso hearkeneth unto me shall dwell safely and shall be quiet from the fear of evil. Even as God is pronouncing all this judgment, right at the end, you know what he does? He says, but if you come to me, I'll receive you. That's the nature of our God. God is good, and God is holy, and God is righteous, and he's long-suffering, and merciful, and kind, and gracious, and patient. But there's an end to that. But not an end to the love of God. You won't ever find that God ends the loving. It makes it so hard for us to see one day God watching people drop off into hell. You know why it's hard? Because God loves them. You know it's hard sometimes for a parent or an adult or a preacher or somebody in leave is to see something happen to people that they care about and love and don't want that day to come. Are you listening? Young people, listen to me. Please, listen to the preacher today. You need to read this week, Proverbs chapter 1, verses 20 through 33. You need to read that over and over and over. Realize you might be sitting there someday. You can't keep saying no to God. You can't keep saying, adults, listen. You can't keep saying, God, there'll be a day. I'll straighten this out. Because mercy ends. Patience of God ends. The long suffering of God ends. And I want us, as we view this, can't you sense the heartbreak of God as He's speaking to this rebellious, unrepentant people? Listen to this verse, and I'm hastening to Deuteronomy 7 9. Listen. Know therefore that the Lord thy God, He is God, the faithful God, which keepeth covenant and mercy with them. He keeps His word. Listen, here's the key that love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. You know, God, God is just looking for a people that will, that will just work with him. Come now, God says, let us reason together. In other words, God is saying to all of us today, be reasonable. You ever had an altercation with somebody or a, 
a misunderstanding with somebody and they're, and they're not wanting to make it right and you're, you're pleased, say, can, can, we just, can we just make this right? Can we, can we just talk about this? Can, please hear me out, would you? But we don't, we don't do that sometimes with people. But listen, lots of times we do that with God and it doesn't even bug us. Whew. Don't we have a long-suffering God? Oh, he's so incredible. And I just want to say there's a time and a day and an occasion that we'll all stand before God. I will, you will. One of these days, there is judgment. Judgment for our lives, judgment for our words, judgment for our actions, judgment for all our opportunity. Paul writes in Romans 14.10, but why dost thou judge thy brother? Don't we, don't we do that? Here we do. Why do we judge thy brother? Why dost thou set it not thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Do we hear that? There's a companion verse Paul writes to the Corinthians, chapter 5, verse 10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to uh, that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. And then we hear in Revelation chapter 20, the end of the story. Verse 12, and I saw the dead, small and great. You know, not important, really important. Less and more. Stand before God, and the books were open, and another book was open, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged out of those things which are written in the book according to their works. Hey, that day's a coming. But today's a day of long suffering. Today's a day of mercy. Today is a day of kindness from our God. Today is a day of wooing. Today is a day of calling. Today is a day of God re graciously reaching out to us. Today is the day of pity upon us. Isn't he good? Isn't our God good? He's so gracious. He's so loving. He's so long-suffering and patient. He gives so many opportunities. God is kind and listen, all of these things can run out. I mentioned love. I should have kept that out. Because love of God doesn't run out. And I'll close with this. I won't go there for time. Genesis 6, 6. All of these great, merciful, long-suffering attributes and gifts of God. They ran out in the old world. God said, that's it. He brought the blood. They ran out in Sodom and Moreh, Genesis chapter 18. Read it this week. God said, that's it. I'm done. They ran out with Pharaoh. Remember him? Exodus chapter 7, verse 13. It's interesting that you know, not, God sent those ten plagues. Nine of those plagues, it says that Pharaoh hardened his heart toward God. But the last time, it said God hardened Pharaoh's heart. That's when it's bad. So many people today seem so hard-hearted. As a country, America needs to realize time is short for us. It really is. Mankind, America or not, third world country or not, people can't keep saying to God, no, and I don't have time. And one of these days, If you are an unsaved soul here this morning at our church, I want to say to you, God loves you. 
He loves you so much that he gave his only begotten son that you might have eternal life through him. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. This invitation is for you. Will you receive it? Or are you going to turn it down again? Are you going to hear a message and say, well, I'll just walk out and think about it? You better think again. Today might be for you the day of salvation, if you would. Come, come. Let us show you in the Bible how you can trust Christ today, today. And then if you're a believer out of God's will, favor, place, come to him in repentance. You know what he'll do? He'll receive you. And I'll tell us this to remind us. God's love does not run out. Jeremiah 31.3 says, The Lord hath appeared unto old, un, old unto me, saying, Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn thee. And again, God so loved the world that he gave his own son that whosoever believed and should not perish but have everlasting life. Would you come today? Mercy is calling out. Long-suffering is calling out. Pity is calling out. Amen? Grace is calling out. Patience of God is calling out. The kindness of God is calling out. He's calling out. It's calling out. But it'll have an end. Let's bow our heads if we would. Every head bowed.